0: Welcome to the Linked Up Church podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. Today, we have a powerful and prophetic word from Pastor Joy Salinas, entitled, Write It or Fight It. Get your pen and pad ready. This one's going to be a blessing.
1: Good morning, Linked Up Church. I tell you what, you guys look really good. When I pulled into Atlanta... I said, man, it smells good here. Man, it looks good here. You know, when you're used to seeing cactuses and you finally see something green, something lights up inside you. And I just want to give honor where honor's due. You know, your pastors, Pastor Joel and Patricia uh, Gregory, are amazing people, aren't they? Come on, give them a hand clap. There's There's a big difference between being a good preacher There's a big difference between being a good, good pastors, but really what God looks for, which I feel when he looks down on your pastors, he says, well done, my good and faithful servants. These are kingdom people. You can never, ever, ever put kingdom in people. Kingdom comes out of people. And I see it on their lives. I see it on their ministry and I see it in all of you guys. So yeah, give them a hand clap. Amen, amen, amen. Well, uh, I have the honor of being here. I brought along my, my son, the better-looking, smarter, taller, more handsome version of me and my wife. And uh, my wife didn't get to be with us today. She's actually with my daughter. She's singing the national anthem at a WNBA game. She does that and <laughs> leads worship. And Yeah. You know, when they said, he who finds a wife finds a good thing, I always change that. For, for For me and what I've experienced, he who finds a wife in my case, has found a fine thing, the best thing right and and that's really well. I see it in, in my wife and and he's graced us to not just stay together but to grow together and 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 that's our number one ministry is my family, and everything flows from it. Amen amen well. I'm about to get into the Word. I just wanted to throw this out there. Uh, my wife and I, as you heard, we do You're Worth It uh, coaching, consulting, and ministries. I get to meet with business owners and, and, and entrepreneurs and ministry leaders and pastors and, and really people, and we get to empower them. That's our, what we feel we've been called to do is help people not be the better version of themselves. How many of you guys know you didn't need to be the better version of your sinful self? You needed to be a transformed you. And that's really what, we've, what we feel encouraged to do is not do it for people, but find the gold in them so that they can see it and do it themselves. And today, uh, one of the calls we get, I, I looked at my email about three, three or four weeks ago, my wife and I did, and we had over 65 between emails and messages on social media dealing with anxiety. And there's only about a 10% difference between anxiety outside of the family of God and inside the family of God. Outside the family of God, it affects 86% of adults. Inside the family of God, it affects 76% of the adults. So how many of you guys know God didn't create you to stay in anxiety? (laughs) Anxiety has robbed purposes. Anxiety has fractured you from taking risks. Anxiety has closed the doors in relationships. And God wants you not to just be free from anxiety, but He wants you to move forward past anxiety to a thriving experience. There's no more surviving. Everybody say, No more surviving. surviving. Only Only thriving. And so my wife and I, we don't we believe in prayer, we believe in deliverance, and I believe that anybody in here, including yourself, sometimes you gotta lay hands on yourself, right? Can pray and anxiety can leave you, but you gotta know how to walk out a non anxiety life. And so we developed a workshop called Knocking Out Anxiety. And my wife and I are passionate, not just about praying for you for deliverance, but actually giving you tools to live this life without restriction. And uh, we're offering that to, to, to all of you here. Normally, what we do is we charge for these workshops to put them together. And, uh, but, but just for linked up church. Uh, we're taking 40% off of that cost. If Afterward, if you feel that there's been fruit from this message, if you feel the conviction of the Spirit that I need tools and practical things to take me beyond deliverance into prosperity in that area, you can meet me out and I think in the Connect Center after service, and I would love to talk to you about that. We also have a lot of free resources. We like to give out free more than we charge, because we believe what God given us was not meant for us, but it's meant for everybody else. Amen? That's my plug. Alright? So, God, give me a and I want you to stay standing for this word and this prayer, but let's pray first. Father, we thank you so much for this word. Thank you for everybody in person, but especially even those that are online watching today. I believe that you put them here for a purpose, on purpose, and we believe that the Holy Spirit is going to be made manifest on the inside of them so that they can take not just the words and not just the spirit, but that you would explain it to them so that they would have revelation that leads to transformation. God, I thank you for the invitation for us to walk in one way, but walk out a different way. We thank you that your word would not just be transforming, but it would be changing in their life and that it would cultivate a fire in their soul that would take them into living a thriving life. God, I bless this house. I bless these pastors and I bless this congregation as we enter into the word. And everybody say, Amen. 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 Keep standing just for this word. I believe God gave me a prophetic message for this church, not just for linked up church, but for all of Atlanta. Take it where you need to take it. Do what you need to. But a prophetic word is only as good as your acceptance of it. And so this is the word he gave me for you. If you need to take it, you can go back, watch it, and write it down for yourself. Because he says in Habakkuk that you should take it plain and write it down as you receive it in a vision. And this is what the Lord gave me as I was praying for linked up church. And not just linked up church, but I believe all of Atlanta, right? In that place. Atlanta, I heard the Lord speak to me very clearly this. He said, there is a wave coming of my spirit, a new thing. Not just the miracles of God, but things are going to manifest like you've never seen them before. Things are going to manifest in the people of God. They're going to rise to higher heights, not just in their spiritual lives, but in the marketplace, in their businesses, in the education systems. They are going to rise up, but my people are going to have to ride it in they're going to have to ride the wave of change instead of fighting it so the question i give you before i start preaching and for you to accept this are you going to ride it or are you going to fight it amen you can be seated thank you guys so as the lord spoke in my heart this word ride it or fight it Look at your neighbor and and tap him on the shoulder very gently, right? We're not into abuse this morning, but tap him on the shoulder and say, are you going to ride it or are you going to fight it? Our opening text today is in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 and 19. And it says this, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, everyone say, behold. Behold. I am doing a new thing. Now it shall spring forth and you shall know it. I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Come on. How many of you guys want rivers in the desert? I'll say amen to that. I come from a lot of desert. And when we get rain, we're saturated in. We haven't had rain in about two weeks in Phoenix. And the day I decide to leave, it rains. I believe because that was a transportation device for the Lord he said I'm going to wet where you're coming from because it's already wet where you're going and I believe God's ready to do some new things but we as the people of God have to ask ourselves do, why, do we want to fight the change do we want to fight the new or do we want to ride it in and here's a question And this is a self-reflection question. I believe that you can only get out of what you're being poured into with understanding where you're at. Self-awareness is 50% of transformation and conviction. You have to know where you're at to know where you're going. So my question to you is, why do we fight change and new things that God might be doing? Most people make decisions, big or small, and make their decisions based on their current feelings, their benefits, their consequences, and their knowledge. That decision, once you make it, is now empowered. And it's not just empowered in your mind, but it's empowered to act. And that action has consequences. Everyone say, actions have consequences. How have your choices to accept, to fight it, or to write it, changes in new things? How has it affected your effectiveness spiritually, mentally, and physically? The only way to accept the new is to reset. We have to reset this mind. We have to reset, I like to call it this history bank. We have to say, hey, this is, not, this is not the normal. This is not what I'm going back to. This is not what I'm used to. But we have to reset our thinking daily so that our decisions are empowered by God and the Holy Spirit and not by emotion, education, or understanding. Come on, education's good. Knowledge is great. But at the end of the day, the wisdom and the discernment of the Lord is superior. But sometimes our brain gets in the way of the Spirit. Our soul is our mind, will, and emotion. And I want to share with you, maybe you've heard this a million times before, but maybe this is your first time. The Spirit is always moving. There is a constant connection between heaven and you. But the thing that restricts it is your soul's health. Your soul is the pass-through of the Spirit. And if you don't have a healthy mind, will, and emotion, you will only get to partake in part of what the Spirit is doing. And so we have to renew our mind. We have to reset our mind to say, God, not my will, but your will. Not my history, but your prophetic history. Not my understanding, but your understanding. So I don't know whether it's in here or online that you have to do some reset today. You can lead yourself out of something new from God if you fight it and not write it. How many of you guys have fought something good for you? How many of you believe eating right is good for you? But how many of us fight it on a Sunday after church when we want to go eat what smells good and not what is good? Come on, there is time to have something. It can, and number one, if you're a good enough cook, you can make what is good healthy for you, and you can make it taste good. But, but we fight naturally the things that are meant to be good for us. We fight naturally the things that I'm not meant to. I grew up in a household that didn't go to church, that didn't, didn't serve God. And I love my parents. I'm grateful for what they've done. My mom and dad's leadership in my life, they protected me, They provided for me. They did what they knew they could do. But at a certain point in my life, I had to fight for the new. And I had to choose when the new came that I didn't fight against it, but I rode with it so why do we fight change Here, here's some couple of things I just want to present to you if you fight them I want you to write them down if they register to you I want you to underline it circle it whatever you got if you got a highlighter in the house today how many of you are highlighter people come on my Bible's full with highlighter and writing in the text all those things whatever it is it, it, it benefits you it says why do we fight change here's some things that pop up and they'll show up on the screen because we just don't like things to change we're people of habit we don't like to sit in a different seat on Sunday oh my God You come in and, gee, he doesn't sit in my seat. My whole Sunday's off. Right? Come on. The worship leader that we're used to isn't leading worship up. That's it. We just don't like change. The other reason is that when it takes us out of our normal. Come on. How many of you know sometimes our normal can be dysfunctional? Sometimes our normal can be, can be not the will of God in our life. And sometimes we need to press against normal to press into prosperity and God's will for your life. How many of you know Jesus when he was in Gethsemane, was wrong? He had to push through normal, right, to get into divinity. He had to push out of his humanity to step into divinity. And so we got to do that. If we can't push past, past our normal, it becomes difficult for everybody else. The other reason is why do we have to trust, because we have to trust God more. Ha, come on. You know when you're doing, about to do something you've never done. How many of you guys say, Lord, I hope you're with me. <laughs> I was working for a higher education institution, Grand Canyon University for 11 years, doing well, making good money, enjoyed leading teams. Come on, I heard a Woo, somebody's attending there or knows somebody that went there. <laughs> Amazing Christian school. But God told me, Joey, I want you to come out. I want you to take a 55% pay cut and I want you to go pastor this church. How many of you know that I had to press past me into trusting God to say, Yeah, I signed up for a 65% pay You get decut. I, I signed up for, for doing some things that take me out of my comfortability, but I had to trust God. And can I just be real with you? Sometimes we fight it so much because we're in unknown territory, but you got the guidance, you got the counselor, the advocate of the Holy Spirit. You got somebody there leading you, guiding you, advising you. And He's saying, like, Ada, boy, Ada, girl, keep going when it gets difficult. So we have to trust God more and not trust. Trust us more so sometimes we fight change because we have to trust somebody outside of ourselves. the last thing and this is probably not the last thing in general but my last thing at least what I struggle with is that when we don't know what it will be like the fear of the unknown getting into uncharted territory we're going to talk a little bit about this and we're going to go into it but there's three things I want to set the preface when the people of God got delivered from Egypt their deliverance led them into not prosperity even though that's what was prophesied it left them into the wilderness so there's three areas that we go through as a believer and this is what how we fight through the challenges of incorporating the new we go into status quo status quo is egyptian in captivity when something changes, we go into the wilderness, which is change. And you have to navigate through change to get into the promised land. And, and what I want to appeal to you today is not status quo, because I believe if you're in this house and you're here right now, you push back against the status quo. You came out of Egypt. You came out of that, that, that territory. Whatever took you captive, the transgressions, the sin, that lifestyle, the family, whatever it was, you came out of it. You made that decision. But now it's wilderness time. How many of you know that wilderness was not meant to be a, a torture? It was meant to be a teacher. And, it, and the desert actually in Hebrew means plain canvas. So change, it can be what you make it, not what happens to you. Change is what happens in you, so that you can walk into the promised land with a promised land mindset. How many of you know that God delivered the people out of Egypt, but it was the people of the people of Israel's job to deliver Egypt out of them? So, how you handle this new season is completely determined on how you handle change. Before a new thing is welcomed the old thing should be remembered. The good thing, the history with God. He delivered me from this. He delivered me from that. He took me through. But how many of you know that it shouldn't be the bad traumas, the old experiences that are remembered? Those are what should not be remembered. So you can't step in to the new thing if you're still attached to the old thing. I counsel people all the time, and my wife and I pass through. And this is the reality, is that there are people that don't struggle with encountering God. They struggle with resuscitating their past. So they're trying to look forward, but they're trying to resuscitate the past they're trying to drag their their tie-ups and their trials because they don't handle the wilderness well. And so in their wilderness, they go back and they look at Egypt saying, at least I ate there, even though they're being fed here. And maybe they would be flourishing sooner if they handled the wilderness better. So your past is dead, but you got to quit putting it on life support. you got to leave the dead thing a dead thing. Here, I'm going to give you some biblical preface of everybody in the Bible, people that we look to, the characters of the Bible, the heroes of the Bible that we look to, all went through the wilderness. You know, Abraham got called out of what he was familiar to into a land that it was unknown. And he only, he took with him, he left his property, and he left his castle, and he took a tent with him, some cattle, his woman, right? A couple of the servants, And he had to go do things. But the thing is, is that God taught him the proper way to do it so he would stay in tune with God. It said he built his altar and he pitched his tent. But sometimes what we get caught into doing is we start to pitch our altar and build our tent. But in the wilderness, you can't get used to staying where you're at. So if you're trying to build a permanent tent... When God wants you to build a permanent altar, he'll take care of you in your tent. The tent is just made to keep you out of the elements. It's not meant for you to grow in. It's not meant for you to show in. It's not meant for any of those things. It's meant for you to cover from the ultimate areas of life. But you're meant to build your altar and pitch your tent. And what happened to Abraham when he was in what he pitched? When God wanted to speak a word to him, when he wanted to speak a prophetic word to him, he said, hey, 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 Abraham, get out of your tent. How many of you know in, in, in Abraham's tent wasn't necessarily bad things? Sometimes it was good things, but it was familiar things. And God can't speak to you the new things if you're stuck looking at the familiar things. So he said, Abraham, come out of your tent. Because I got a word for you that goes beyond your walls. And so he came out and he said, see these numbers of these stars? These are your descendants. Abraham looking like 90-something years old. And he looked at his wife and he's like, you're 90-something years old. He's like, the promises you gave me don't line up with what's natural. How many of you guys know that when God does a new thing, it normally doesn't advise your, your, your circumstance? He, he knows your future. He's omnipresent. He's both in your past, your present, and your future. And he's the same God in all three. And so he doesn't look to say, what did you go through in your past to make sure you're ready for your future? He says, hey, I'm in your future, baby. Come on. Come on. Come over here. But he has to get us out of our normal so that he can get us into the supernatural. So Abraham came out of his tent, and he walked out giving birth to a son. And his son provided the fruit, and then the son of the son provided the multiplication. So at the end of the day, coming out of the tent is what produced the future. Look to your neighbor and it says, "Time to come out of your tent." Some of the most powerful people in the Bible were challenged with change. You know, Peter was a successful fisherman. He was in his boat catching fish all day. But how many of you know? Sometimes when God's about to release something to you, you have a famine in existence. And so although Peter was successful, God used a a lack of, of, of experience, a lack of fish, and he approached him and he said, look what you're doing. And I love what God does because he didn't curse Peter's job. He looked at Peter, advised him, and he caught a bunch of fish. And then after that he said, Peter, I see that you're a fisher of fish, but if you follow me, if you come out of your boat... I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Everybody say change. Change. If you want a new thing, you got to step out of what you're used to into what you're not used to. God's ready to do the supernatural in your life, but you got to do the natural obedience first. And so Peter became a fisher of fish into a fisher of men, not by staying on the dock, but walking on the ground. One of my favorite career goal changes. What I took my, tried to model my picture of when I was told by God to leave your career that you were successful in and go and start pastoring full time is a picture of Elijah and Elisha. Elijah saw something in Elisha. He didn't give him the story. He just pushed him. He highlighted him. He showed him something. He did something. And Elijah came to Elisha. And let me tell you this. Elisha was actually doing it at the highest level. He was tilling grounds with oxen. And he actually had 12 oxen. Everybody say 12. 12. So he wasn't just tilling the ground. The normal person that tilled the ground did it with four oxen. But if you did it with 12 oxen, it means that you were kind of like a, the highest, highest level. So in essence, he was an apostle of the field. And he got this invitation from Elijah. Hey, Elijah, I see the calling on your life. It's time for you to come because God's called you to be a prophet to the nations. And can you believe, sometimes when God calls you, you're just killing your field. You're just doing what you're normal. It's not a bad thing. It's that season. It's that assignment. And you're doing it with all your heart onto the Lord. But when God taps you on the shoulder, you got to get ready to, to, to kill your oxen and burn your equipment. And that's what Elijah did. Elijah didn't come from a prophetic background. He didn't even come. He barely came from a Jewish one. But he was doing something with all of his heart, and God tapped him on the shoulder. How many of you are getting tapped on the shoulder today? God's called you to a new thing. But it's so, you can't be too busy doing what's normal in order to step into the supernatural. And so he tapped him on the shoulder, he came, and he became one of the greatest. He did about three times the amount of miracles and prophetic words that Elijah did. Not because he was built for it, not because he was trained for it, but because he decided to accept the new. The last one Paul. Saul, as we know him in his Jewish tradition. And Saul was a persecutor of Christians. He was doing what he felt he was following because he didn't know how to accept the new. And he was taking orders from the old. Come on, this is a side break, not even on my notes. If your leader is not establishing the new, it's hard to create a culture of new. And I want to tell you, you don't struggle with that here at Linked Up Church. You have pastors that are touching the new. They're looking to the future. They're looking to the city. They're looking to the community. And so he's already provided an atmosphere. Because of their yes, there is lots of yeses that need to be made. And so the question is not whether your pastors are stepping into the new, providing that atmosphere. The question is, are you ready to take in your new? And so we look back at that text and... And, and God knew that there was a calling on Saul's life the once killer of Christians became one of the leaders of the new church and so he put scales on his eyes he blinded them and he sent them to a specific place the wilderness everyone say wilderness, wilderness. Can, do you guys believe that sometimes we feel blinded when we're going in territory that God said go here but we don't know why we don't know the assignment we don't know the situation but he had to go there and by his obedience can I tell you this his obedience is what unlocked the miracle The scales fell off his eyes and a transformation happened. That's not the new version of Saul. That's the transformed version, which is Paul. And so on the other side of your new is not just your old version, the new version of you. It's the transformed version of you. God gives you a new name. He gives you a new calling. He gives you a new destiny. He gives you a new purpose. He purposed you for purpose on purpose. And so he gives you an assignment. He brings in the new and you. It's up to me and you to say, yes, Lord. My point number two is this: You can't grab what's in front of you if you're also holding what's behind you. On, oh, yeah. Philippians three, thirteen and fourteen says this. He says, "Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have been taking hold of it, but one thing I do. Everyone say one thing I do: thing I do. forgetting what's behind and straining on towards what's ahead." I press on towards the goal to win the prize, which is God has called me to heavenward in Christ Jesus. You have to let go of what's behind you or or the old order will start to creep itself into the new calling. Can I give you a little breakdown? That word forgetting is a compound Greek word. It's made up of two words. Ignorance is the first part of that word. And the past is the second part of it. And so when he's saying, I forget what's behind, he's actually saying, I have ignorance of my past. How many of you guys met any ignorant people in your life? How many of you have been the ignorant person in your life? I'm raising my hand, that's been me. So what he's saying is that you can't just say, my past is my past until it's my future. He's saying, I have to have ignorance to my past. You know what ignorant people do best? Is they move forward. In boldness, thinking they know exactly what to do when they know nothing. And so, what he's saying to you is, I gotta be so bold in forgetting my past that I gotta walk into my future and I don't even remember any old me. Can I tell you this? You are gonna be the best you in this new season if you have ignorance to your past. You gotta move forward in boldness, forgetting your past. That's the only moment I pray for amnesia. Lord, Fill me with some amnesia of my past because I don't need to do that because I don't even have a resemblance of that old version of me. Letting go frees you up to partake in what he wants to do next in you. Ezekiel 18 and 31 says this, Cast away from you all the transgressions. And let's just use that word just for a second. Sometimes we think it's always just bad. But what transgression is, is that when you constantly see a line, and you step over it, and you step back from it. And you step over it, and you step back from it. It says, that is called also in another word, a double-minded man. Let's talk about what the word says about a double-man. It says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Can I tell you this? The new needs a single minded one directional man it does not need a transgressor a person that dances in the comes in the new and visits the past he wants you to evict the past he wants you to kick out the furniture of the past and he wants you to be stable because this new thing that god's doing not just in linked up church but all the surrounding area requires you to not dance on the line of transgression it requires you to cast it off you know what cast it off means it means like this jacket. i got to throw it off and i got to leave it where I left it. So Ezekiel prophetically is saying if you want the new, you got to cast off the dancing on other sides. you got to cast off the double-mindedness. I can't have a little bit of the world and have a little bit of Jesus. The problem with the church today is not that they go to church a lot. The problem with the church today is they look a lot more like the world. And I'm not, that's not persecuting you. That's calling us all out. What in my life that looks like the world even though I'm doing it for God? Do I leave people better than I found them? Do I love people where they're supposed to be, not where they're at? When I talk to people, do I honor them, not just where honor is due, but where honor should be with lies in them because they have Christ in them? Do I walk in the righteousness of Christ Jesus, not being perfect, but I, looking towards what is perfect? So when we ask that question... The question is simple. I got to cast off the transgressions. And when you cast off the transgressions, he says, This is what I've committed. Get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For you should die. That old one should die. Oh, you house of Israel, you never got to get this. If there is a new spirit, that means that there's an old one. And can I tell you that there's other levels? of experiencing the Spirit. There is a level of revelation. Then there's a level of conviction. And then there's a level of transmutation. I encountered who God is. I discern what God is and for my life. And now my life is formed around what God is. And so he says, you got to take that heart toss it away and I gotta prepare myself for the new spirit because you can't walk into a new season with that old experience it's time to get it together Isaiah forty three nineteen. I just want to go back to it because I want to break this down behold I've done a new thing and it shall spring forth you shall know it I will make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert point three is this when you choose to ride it you get to watch him work that word behold is a beautiful Greek word that means watch me work the Lord is speaking to the people through the prophet Isaiah and he's saying hey behold watch me work he's speaking to a people that came out of captivity and to take on some new territory he says behold watch me work Because if you watch what's working around you, you'll take off your eyes off of the one who's doing the work. So he says, Behold, watch me work. Even in the midst of wilderness, because wilderness has changed. It's a a plain platform. The people, the Israelites, the people of Israel could have been in the wilderness for four days. Forty days. But it turned into forty years. God didn't give them a new word. They just took so long to get the old out of them to see what he was doing in them there so that they couldn't walk in appreciation into prosperity. Come on, you guys know this. He split the Red Sea for them. When they were thirsty, Moses put his staff and hit a rock and water came out. When they were hungry and complaining about it, by the way, manna flowed from heaven and then when they got tired of manna they complained again because they said we're tired of manna so he let these birds come down and fly down and get me I don't know about you guys but he says watch me do the work when you take your eyes off of the fruit and start to put it on the vine you start to produce fruit Their eyes were on the fruit. And when that fruit got dull and tasty, they wanted new fruit. But how many of you guys know the secret is not the fruit that falls. The, fr- the secret is the vine that produces. And so you could do something where you center into change you're like, you know what? I'm taking my eyes off of that. But he says, watch me work. So what I want to challenge you to do is this. I want you to say, what's budding up in my life? What is God doing in my life? Can I perceive it? Can I see it? Can I I taste it? Can I imagine it? Do you know that your brain handles imagination and facts the exact same way? But the problem sometimes is us as believers is we look more on facts and reality than we do imaginating what God's going to do for us. So the problem with the complaining and taking their eyes off of watching God do the work was that they lacked imagination for prosperity, so what I'm telling you is the prophetic word is only good, as what you imagine it to be. God could speak something to you, but if you can't taste it, if you can't experience it, if you can't imagine it, your brain will never change. So let me walk this you because I'm all about practicality. Your brain creates a neural pathway in the physical that gives it an experience that allows you to recognize when it's present so what I'm saying to you is that when he gave you a new word when he gave you a new season when you haven't seen it manifested yet you have to challenge yourself to experience it before you experience it so it's time to dream with God again It's time to say, God, what's next in me today? God, what's coming my way? And you got to taste it, you got to see it, you got to feel it. Sometimes you got to close your eyes on earth to see what's in heaven. So the question is not, can you get it? Do you deserve it? The question is, can you challenge yourself to perceive it? And once you perceive it, you got to speak it. You know, because once I get it in here, The only way to get it from here to here is through the freeway of your mouth. So once I perceive it and imagine it with Him and taste it and I see it, you got to start to speak it because your mind, your feet, will only follow what your words say. God is a creative. This is not in my notes. This is prophetic for you guys. I want you to hear this. I need to come down here. I feel like I need to be closer to you. If you want to get to where God wants you to be, You have to imagine with God what that's going to feel like, what it's going to look like, and what it's going to taste like. Stay here. And when you get to this point, you have to start walking towards it with your words, not with your feet. Because your words will send your feet. Because in the beginning, there wasn't earth, and God acknowledged it he said I spoke it he said the the light was separated from the the waters were separated vegetation started to grow it didn't move until his words moved can you believe this it was in God's imagination before it was in his words so how do we expect to manifest something that we're unwilling to imagine how can we expect to walk out something we're not willing to talk about and when you start to talk about it long enough your feet start naturally going towards it and when the devils come after you and when your past comes back to you you say to it like this you look at it and say this hey, hey devil I'm not going backwards I perceived it I spoke it and I'm walking towards it and what God has made for me ain't no devil in hell can take you from it and the only way to fight discouragement because how many of you guys have felt discouraged before is you got to use your prophecies just like Paul tells Timothy he said use your prophetic words as a weapon use your new season, the reminding of it the talking about it, the meditate on it you know what, you're not stuck in a false reality you're stuck in a God reality when somebody tells you, take your heads out of the clouds say, I'd rather be in the clouds than underneath this because where the clouds are is the heavenly reality we manifest what we believe we start to walk out what we talk about and then we start to live in prosperity like we've never done before I spent way too much time there but it was necessary Number four. When you ride in the new, he makes a way and it becomes plain. This is important because the word way here actually means a manner or a course of life. When I told you that God gave me a prophetic word for you, he doesn't provide a prophetic word without prophetic insight. So the insight is for the next chapter. He's going to make a road. You just got to trust it's going to show up. Have you ever guys, I know you guys got a lot of force here, but you know, when you try to take a shortcut, come on, there's only men in the house, come on, because you don't like that GPS, you don't like your woman to tell you what to, what to do or how to drive, and so you're like, I know the way! And all of a sudden, you start to take some turns that don't look so familiar. But how many of you know that where there's a road, every road comes from a freeway. So I got to trust that even when I'm walking off of a road, even when I'm walking in a different place, if my focus is on Jesus, I'm always going to find the freeway. He's going to make it plain. He's going to make it obtainable. He's going to make it visible. And so we have to know that He's going to make a way. He's going to make a manner and a course of life for you to get there. You guys are ready to promote this this health connect. With a 5K run, they lay out a course in front of you. How many of the runners really know, hey, you know what? I'm going to get there, and I know what I'm going to experience in mile one. None of them. But when you start to move, and you commit, and you show up on the starting line, he makes a course. He makes a manner. And there's something, and I'm going to go here. You have to catch this. There is something. I, my wife and I used to, we used to run half marathons. Lord, help me. Get that plantar fasciitis from running a lot, you know. Knee replacements, come on. Hip replacements. My dad just had a hip replacement so recovering supernaturally. Amazing. But I want you to hear this. You can't do the wilderness alone. You've got to connect. Your pastor's have created and with their leadership team and with the volunteers have created an amazing church here. Right? But the only thing that creates a powerful church is community. Smaller communities. And can I tell you this? Some of the Israelites that were in the wilderness, they weren't in a the community. They were listening to their thoughts. They were in the masses. But the masses... Don't mean that you're gonna find good wisdom. Doesn't mean you're gonna find safety. Doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna find security. Doesn't mean you're gonna find purpose. But when you get in a community that's headed in the right direction, that's what makes an amazing church a powerful church. And I believe that in this next season, part of your mission is to make sure that you're all connected that you're all in circles and in groups so that you can go after the things of God. You haven't seen the manifested miracles of God? Get in a connect group. Because I tell you what, there ain't nothing more supernatural than when you pick up the phone, text somebody, get together as a group and say, I'm struggling. I need your help. And those 10 people come quickly to you. But sometimes we get so reliant on the church resources that we forget the real resources of community. So you want to get out of the wilderness? You better get yourself in a community that's heading in a direction for God. Yeah. The wilderness just means an uninhabited land and an unknown territory. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to be in an uninhabited an land, I'd rather be in it with people. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Yeah. Can I get an amen online, type it in the text? We'd rather be in the uncharted together because when we find promised land, we find it together. Can I tell you this? If somebody's blessing somebody, I want to be in their neighborhood. But if you aren't even in a neighborhood, how are you going to know when blessing's on its way? So you better catch up because it's contagious. I can sit up here and yawn. I can sit up here and sneeze, and you might catch that. But at the end of the day, you also catch blessing. You'll also catch prosperity. So you better get yourself in some circles where you're in a neighborhood that's moving towards the things of God. second corinthians four eighteen says this so fix our eyes not on what is seen but what now is unseen since the seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal yes. here's an easy question to determine this text do you believe that god's for you yes. do you believe that god wants the best for you yes. do you believe that when you find what he wants for you that you're going to celebrate yes. so if it's not seen do you still trust it tell yourself that in the morning? That's your answer. That's the text. i got to remind myself that I believe it. There's the two most important things. is what you believe about God and what you believe about yourself. And if those line up together that what I believe about God is also meant for what I believe about myself, something comes in convergence and the unseen becomes the seen. It helps you with your imagination. It helps you with your belief. The devil wants you to waste your, you waste your time on the new things that are coming to you to fight it. But I want to tell you, don't fight the new, ride the new. Ride it in. And you're going to be able to ride it in easier when you're with people. Because here, this is what it's going to do, being around people. And I get it. Come on. I can be with you. I'm going to knock down some of these these judgments or thoughts that you might have. Number one, if I'm with them, they're going to know who I am. They're going to know what I struggle with. They're going to see my skeletons in my closet. Can I tell you this? If you don't get one, the skeletons in your closet are going to be resuscitated and walking amongst you the devil wants you to isolate because isolation leads to termination but God wants you to be in a believer, a community so that you can thrive together so the skeletons become buried not just buried but they become incinerated so that you can go and live with boldness and I want to tell you this you want to know what people struggle with today? even pastors from pulpits and preachers and people and politicians is they struggle with living in isolation that their skeletons come back and haunt them. Well, I'll tell you this. I want to go and get in an environment where I don't have skeletons to come out of my closet. And when it's brought up, I don't have a remembrance of it because I had ignorance to my past. (laughs) The other word in here is rivers. That word rivers, rivers in the desert means this. It means that he's giving you a flow, a beaming light in a place that was once ruined and wasteland and dry. He wants you to see the flowing coming from the Spirit because if you can see it, you can agree with it. And if you can agree with it, you can move it into your life. Joel chapter 3 verse 8 says this, and in the day the mountains shall drip sweet wine. Everyone say amen. amen. And the hills shall flow with milk and the stream beds of Judah shall flow with water and the fountain shall come forth from the house of the Lord and the water the valley of Shimon. This is what he's saying. as I believe that picture is a picture of Atlanta. It's a picture of linked up church. Then he says, "Can you perceive it? I'm about to let new wine flow from the hills." I'm going to let milk to be experienced here. I'm going to allow you to have things that flow out of you so that you don't just become something that has wetness, but you are the substance of wetness. This is supposed to be the answer to the world's prayers. The church is the answer for the world's problems. The question is, are you ready to be the answer to the world's problems too? You can't accept new wine and old wineskin you got to renew your mind so that the wineskins renew so that you don't lose the wine. The wine is revelation. If you can't, if a revelation falls, the transformation never happens. So you got to renew yourself so that you can have a new self. Number five and the last point, and i close with this. Don't try to hold on to traditions and the old ways of thinking that you become so comfortable with your old season. But instead, get ready to ride it. Get ready to ride it in. Because God doesn't want to make you comfortable in dysfunction. He doesn't want to make you comfortable in your old assignment. We all want promotion. Raise your hand if you want promotion. You know what gets you to promotion? Doing something different. And then doing something different consistently. And then doing it consistently and showing people how to do it with you. And then you move together into a transformation process that the enemy himself doesn't have a plan for. He's planning for you to just show up on church on Sunday. He's not planning for you to find community. He's not planning for you to move forward. He's not planning for you to imagine, speak it, and walk it. He's waiting for you to stay in the wasteland for 40 years. And I want to read this last scripture over you. Revelation 21 and 5, and it says that he who was seated in the throne said this, Behold, watch me work. I am making new things. He also said, write this down. It's important. Leaders are writers. For these words are trustworthy and true and he said to me it is done I am the alpha and I am the omega I am the beginning and I am the end I will give uh, of your fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts and he who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son so here's the reality in order to accept the new thing you have to be able to understand that he's the alpha and the omega he's the beginning and the end and when you're experiencing your alpha days you have to know that there's an omega when you're experiencing the beginning of trauma you have to know that there's an end of victory but you can't do that if you stay in the old if you stay connected and attached to the old and if you try to do it alone and this is my last statement to you so I propose you this question how are you going to take this new season? Are you going to ride it or are you going to fight it? I want you to stand up as a declaration really quick and I'm getting ready to close and then pastors can come up and do a couple of prayers. Can, can I have you both, you and your wife come up? I just feel like I want to pray. I have a prophetic word for you but I want you to say this. Say, Lord. Lord I, perceive the new. I perceive the new. I accept the new. And I'm ready to walk in it. Walk in. I, know I know you're trustworthy. And I'm getting ready to make a pro- prophetic declaration. And, prophetic declaration. and when, you, when, when I say three, I want you to say, I'm, gonna, I'm going to write it, and I want you to take a step forward. One, are you ready? Yes. Two, God's getting ready to do a new thing. Yes. Three, write it. Come on, did you feel something shift inside of you? There's something that changed because you did something different. You, could, you did that online, it's just as powerful. There is no space between time and us.
2: Praise God, I trust that this message has touched your heart today. Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer, and His name is Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, we want to invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with him, but you've just gotten away and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. I want to lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died, rose from the grave, and he is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth and what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus name, praise God. We are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations. We are so excited that you made the decision to get connected together.
0: Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit linkedupchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. You can also watch live services, watch past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkedupchurch.com or text GETCONNECTED to 833-988-2009. Thanks again for listening. Have an amazing week and we look forward to connecting with you.